It's the Locked on Canes podcast where it's all about the U. My name is Fred Purdue. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by my guy Cam and Underwood here. What's going on, Cam? Vibing, hanging out, chilling, you know, enjoying everything. So glad to be back on the mic for another week where we got a game on deck. Yeah, we have an actual game on deck. It's on to FIU week. Uh, we have some we have some things to talk about. So we have some Miami's officially been somewhat eliminated. So uh, we have to we definitely got to talk about that. Um, we have the true meaning of the, what is the true meaning of this game? Because there's some underlying things that we got to talk about with this one. And of course, Miami is bowl eligible. So we'll be talking about where the landings possible landing spots for the Canes will be. Uh, even if there is a, uh, the record might be a little bit better than we thought in the beginning of the season. But before we get into all of that, let's kind of get the format, the formalities and house cleaning out the way. Make sure you go follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Canes. Follow Cam on Twitter at Underwood Sports, as well as myself at Fred Purdue CFB. That is P E R D U E. I will make sure I do that every show now because he has brought that to Cam has brought that to my attention, and I've been doing this thing wrong for a long time now. <clears throat> Hey, well, you know, it's your name, so you'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, so um, first things first, we have the Miami Hurricanes. They have been eliminated officially from ACC title contention, uh, title game contention with, with Georgia Tech losing to Virginia Tech. It was a last-ditch effort. We needed a lot of help. You said we needed a lot of help. Uh, Georgia Tech, pesky Georgia Tech. If it's whether it's the offense, the old offense they ran, or now just losing to them straight up, just can't get out of our own way. Yeah, um, can't really say it any, any any other way than that. You know, I've been lamenting that loss for uh, ever since it happened, and even during the game when it looked like it was trending that way. Um, and people always want to bring up, oh, well, fourth and 17 against North Carolina and, you know, four turnovers and 12, 13 plays against Virginia Tech. And the, yeah, 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 yeah. All that's true as well. But losing to Georgia Tech, this Georgia Tech team this year is just, it's atrocious. It's so bad. Um, that is, you know, I know that there's other considerations, but basically the thing that's going to keep Miami out of the ACC championship game. And, uh, yeah, I know that, you know, after that game, you know, uh, the team did have players only meeting going into the Pittsburgh week and things like that. And Manny Diaz even said it today at his presser, you know, when asked about it, he said, you know, sometimes you have to experience those things to grow. Um, I just don't like those experiences. I wish that, you know, this team and program would find a way to just actually play to their potential without having to have this catastrophic circumstance of losing to this Georgia Tech team, which is going to end the year with one ACC win most likely, and that will come at the hands, at the expense of the Miami Hurricanes, uh, you know, uh, championship hopes for the Coastal Division. And it's just, I don't, ending the year on a six-game win streak and being 9-4 and four, if Miami wins out these last two in a bowl game is good in its own way, but this loss is so bad. I mean, the more that we win, the worse it looks to me, honestly. Yeah, it, we picked up steam way too too late in the season. It's it's almost indicative of everything we've seen over the last few years with this team. Uh, they start out somewhat slow sometimes outside of the 10-win 10, the 10 season uh, that Miami had under Mark Rick. But outside of that, you've seen a lot of slow starts, and then they pick up, and, uh, and the, it's just the inconsistency has to stop. Start out fast, start out fast, finish fast, and you end up where you want to be. Even if it is testing out what you may want to look like later, seeing where you are against Clemson would be nice. But 
Um, I, I am encouraged by seeing what I saw these last few games winning with consistency. The penalties are down. The mistakes are down. The missed tackles are down. And that's all great. But at the end of the day, can we kick? Can we make a couple field goals, get a couple stops? This team might have one loss versus four. Got to be more consistent. And it could have, should have. Yeah, yeah. If an if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk, right? Hello. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a. It was another. It's. I won't call this season completely. And I like to go with the with the glass half full approach. It, it can't be that bad. I mean, you're gonna lose some guys, but. You know, I, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing by the offense. Unfortunately, you're going to lose a lot of that front seven uh, on defense. But I'm encouraged by seeing what I'm seeing. And then the recruiting is kind of going to – it's going to ramp up a little bit too. Yeah, it is. Uh, but before even getting into that, I just looked up the tweet from ACC Football, um, the official account. Uh, says, with two weeks left in the season, the possibility exists with Miami, Pitt, Virginia, and Virginia Tech all alive for a share of the division title. However, only Pitt, Virginia, or Virginia Tech can play in the ACC championship game due to divisional tiebreakers. So even with four teams potentially being able to share it, the one team that has no actual shot to make Mm -hmm. it to the ACC championship game is the Miami Hurricanes. I'm getting angry all over again. Yeah, I saw that. And, you know, if if memory serves me right, I mean, I've been following this team a a good while. And, you know, over time it kind of gets jumbled together. But wasn't Miami in this situation a few years back? Uh, A similar situation. I think Al Golden would have had it had there not been a suspension in there. Um, yeah, without the the bowl ban. Yeah, without uh, the bowl yeah. ban. Yeah, there that was something been the first like that. Appearance. Yeah, there was something or the like postseason, excuse me, ban. Uh, but yeah, uh, but see, that wasn't even this because Miami would have been the representative mm-hmm. that year. Like you know, we decided or elected, okay, we're going to have this postseason ban, so we're not going to fulfill that that placement. Again, there are four teams who can share the ACC Coastal. Of those four, the one who has no mm-hmm. shot to actually play in Charlotte are the Miami Hurricanes. It it's hurts. Terrible. It hurts. It's like it's a sl- it's it's like a sorry not sorry kind of deal. I mean, it's like, uh, do I really want to share this, knowing I can't be a part of it? And look, you did it to yourselves, mm-hmm. just over and over again, and that's what this program has done. And now, again, I do believe that, or I hope that there is positive movement. Moving forward, uh, there has been development, obviously, with the last couple of weeks and the last few games and things of that nature. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You know, if you do your work early, then you don't have to do it late kind of a thing. And Miami didn't do the work. So, so yeah. Yeah, it, it hurts really bad. And I think they'll learn from this. I think this will be one of those learning tools that, uh, this team can kind of kind of learn from where very similar to when Mark Rick took over. Uh, I think it was there was four losses first year, and then you lost. Then Miami avenged all four of those losses. If you can tap into that same mentality, but keep the keep the same intensity from uh, this end of the season, I think you can have something that could be really special. But this is also why a lot of those those rankings and all of that stuff, guys got to stop listening to that stuff because, yeah, it sounds good coming from me and you, but it still has to be done on the field. Yeah, and honestly, like I don't want this team to underachieve to then get a fire lit under their asses to do what they need to do, to play to the level of their talent, which is more than 
better than any other team in this division. You know, you have coaches who are very good at their jobs. You have players who are going to play on Sundays. They can impact games and score from anywhere on the field or break up a pass anywhere down the field, make a sack with, you know, go-go gadget arms, all those things. Why, why, why does it have to be a negative situation to incite positive play? How about you just go out there and dominate? Just like Mark Rick said, look, swag isn't talking. Swag is whipping the man across from you. How about we go out and do that? and not spot teams two and three touchdowns come out of these in these games where they're they look woefully underprepared uh and unmotivated and things like that lose games to inferior freaking teams like this georgia tech team from this season why does that have to happen for miami to try to find greatness how about you just step into your greatness how about that how about you play the way that you should that's what i'm talking about and that's what keeps making me so angry about this season because we see the way that this team is playing now it didn't have to take four losses to get to this, except for Miami always does this where they make it take four losses to finally wake their behinds up, and I'm tired of it. Coach, I, I feel you, and I want to run through that wall for you right now because it, I, I hear the fire in your in your voice right now. And, you know, when I look at it, I'm looking at the schedule and I'm just thinking to myself, you lose the first two games by a combined seven points. You lose your next two by a combined 14 you just, have not lost a game by more than a score this yeah, year. Yeah. Like, Miami's not gotten blown out. Like, all these games have been, you know, the, the ones they've lost have been right there. Now, you've, you know, extended out the, the wins a little bit on a couple of teams. Man, yeah, just – I'm tired of hearing about how things are going to be different. You know, it's it, – I, I, I want it to actually be different. I think this – Manny Diaz and company have something to work with. I think it's more so – when you look at the teams, the Floridas, I mean, even North Carolina, they may not have the ta- the talent, but they have a head coach that has won it in the biggest of moments. I mean, he's maybe an injury away from two national titles in Mac Brown. That is, I mean, you, I mean, even the the Virginia Techs. I mean, not Justin Fuente, but Frank Beamer in the past. His th- these all of these teams. The one thing that is common with all of these teams is they're it's the detail. Everything is so detail-oriented. The pe- the penalties are the one thing that kills you. The preparation, because it, you remember th- there was a time with Miami where the practices were considered tougher than games. That's why Alabama's the way they are. That's why Clemson's the way they are. The practices are harder than the games because the game is just the result of we're just going to whip the next guy, the guy in front of us. But the practices, you're practicing against, you know, you're practicing against guys like Ed Reed every day. The offense is going to be great because simply you see the safety on the other side, the corner on the other side, heck, on for the defensive side of the ball, they're fit, the guys from yesteryear, whether it's Portis, McGahee, Gore, uh, Winslow, Olsen, you know, you're facing guys that are ten times better than anything you'll see on a game day. So it's going to be easy. It has to return to that level of detail on 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 the practice field and that calls for coaches included because I'm not letting the coaches off the hook either. Uh they have to be ready to to instill that in those guys and if they the guys aren't buying into it, you got to you got to cut bait. No, you're right. And you know, I there is no one who is blameless in this. You know, it's coaches, uh it's players, it's play calls, it's execution, it's penalties, it's missed tackles, it's missed kicks, it's Anything that can have some blame deserves some blame. And, yeah, but 
you know, hopefully, again, some of those things are in the past and we can move forward uh, with the rest of this season, including into a bowl game, uh, which I know that we're going to talk about on the other side. All right, so we're back. And after lamenting some of the failings of the beginning of the year, we can say that Miami is 100% bowl eligible after uh, the win against Louisville a couple of weeks ago. So there have been some bowl predictions and projections out there. And uh, which, which one has your attention? I think the one that I've really been – I want an, I really want an SEC school. And, and Why? the competition, and I know you're not going to get a Florida. You're not obviously you're not going to get a rematch against Florida. You're not going to get Georgia. You're probably going to get a Kentucky. You're probably going to get something or a Mississippi State type team like that. But I want to see the one. The thing I've always said about the SEC or a Notre Dame. I I wouldn't. I really don't want Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame's really great up front. And I think you'll see a, a, a the way this de- this team is playing as a whole. I think you'd see a lot of what you saw a couple years ago in that from the Trajan Bandy pick six game. That's what I call, that's my that's my moniker for it. Um, but I think with the SEC, their lines of scrimmage are a little bit different, regardless of the team you talk about. Unless you're talking like a Missouri or a, a Vanderbilt, their lines of scrimmage are a little bit be- little bit better than everyone else because they have to recruit that way. And I think what you'll see is I want it's I don't for bowl games I don't think I don't care about the necessarily the outcome especially with this uh, at this point when it's a lower tier bowl game but I want to see how they stack up against a team that is a, a, a maybe a better talented team maybe in a certain area maybe a defense is better maybe an offensive defensive line is better maybe the quarterback play is a little bit better I want to see how this team stacks up outside of the outside of the ACC against a quality opponent. Okay. Um, I think that that's fair. Um, I don't really care who we play in the bowl game. I'm really hopefully uh, just looking for a win because I am looking at that result uh, even a little bit more than the process because, you know, I think that Miami has the talent to be able to step on the field with most any team Mm -hmm. in America. Now, there are some teams who are, you know, just on a different level of talent. Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State right now. Uh, and that's okay, because Miami can develop that. Uh, but for me, it's about you know getting at least you know a Power Five opponent and then winning. But you know that that's just my viewpoint. But there's two bowl projections or pro- projections, excuse me, that I'm really kind of looking at. Number one, uh, Jason Kirk from Banner Society um, has projected right now Miami versus Mississippi State in the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, you know, in the state of Florida. Um, there's always the hope for me uh, for the Camping World Bowl. Always there. Always there. It's always there, and it's a premium location because after the ACC places their college football playoff and Orange Bowl teams, the Camping World Bowl is the next highest selection group, you know, and they pick, a, you know, a team from the ACC. So uh, I think that would be it. But the other one that has – uh, some people on social media, kind of Twitter-pated, is Brett McMurphy, formerly of ESPN, now of Stadium mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Stadium Network uh, or Channel Outlet, whatever they're called, um, Stadium. He has projected Miami playing Alabama in the Orange Bowl. I saw that. 
I saw that, and I Yo. I'm not ready to even say that'll be an option because that's it, like counting Alabama out because of a Tua injury, and I'm not ready to call them dead in the water yet. And I know this is I'm not. I'm not willing to call them dead in the water yet, but I think more so than that is finding a realistic way for Miami to elevate into the Orange Bowl. And that basically means, you know, whoever – there's no other uh, ranked teams at the end of the year outside of Clemson. So the ACC or the Orange Bowl for the ACC uh, representative then just gets to pick whoever they want mm-hmm. out of, you know, the other teams other than Clemson. Um, I just don't see that happening, honestly. Um, that means, you know, Virginia loses out or – yeah, you know, just is a is an unranked team, but they're in the twenties already. That means maybe Virginia Tech splits. I mean, it's just the the calculus that would have to happen for that scenario is so extreme that I don't see it happening. Um, and then on top of that, you have to really decide, or the committee, though. Yeah, the the bowl selection committee has to decide, okay, regardless of the record, regardless of everything else that we've seen, even though there are other teams with similar records, we're picking Miami outright above all these other teams. And I don't know that I can convince myself of that this year, but the the other side of that coin is bowl games are television shows. Yes. You know, if they're not the college football playoff, it's not about – you know, the, the purity of the game, it's not about, you know, a matchup of styles. or the, It's a television show because they're a for-profit entity. They sell their, you know, uh, their gear. They sell the commercial rights, the, you know, television rights. It's a TV show. So you could talk yourself, if you're ESPN, into the television show of Alabama versus Miami rekindling that old, you know, 80s, 90s rivalry mm-hmm. on a national stage. But uh, I don't know, man. Do you really want to? I, I put it like this to you. Um, we talked about Clemson, Miami, maybe. How do how do we stack up against a Clemson team? If you re- I'd be willing to test Clemson. I'd be willing to take a little bit of that smoke. I don't want any Alabama smoke. I don't want any of that smoke. I don't. And and granted, the the thing is with that, there's going to be there's a lot of their starters won't play. I mean, a lot of their NFL bound guys, the Jerry Judys of the world, they're not going to play. I mean, and that game still might be a bit of a blowout. I, I hate saying it. I hate not. I hate being kind of the Debbie Downer here, but Alabama's on a whole different stratosphere. Their be- their second team is probably as good as Miami's first team in some areas. Um, I'm not ready to go there. I mean, we'll see. Uh, you know, there. It would take a, a very strong effort. It would take, um, you know, it would it would take probably a couple of guys sitting out, and it would take, you know, not missing any of your shots. You know what I mean? If you mm-hmm. if you dial up a a deep post for Jeff Thomas, you got to hit that. You're dialing up, you know, whatever for D. Wiggins, you got to hit that. You're D. Not Wiggins gonna be able versus to miss those. Sertain the second. That would be interesting. 
That would be an interesting. Sertan the second isn't the dude or has not been the dude at Alabama that he was in high school. So yeah, bring he hasn't. He hasn't. Josh Do- Joe, who's, I believe, on that old grandpa Ridley, like I was talking about last week, in that he's 20 or 21 already <laughs> as a sophomore. Um, you know, he was everybody's All-American and then is probably just a guy. You know, I just saw that Alabama's having a – or one of their freshman corners just entered the transfer yeah, portal. Scooby Carter, um, yeah. You know, like they're they're not an infallible team anymore. And you saw that in obviously, you know, LSU has bossed up levels, but then, you know, you don't have Tua anymore. You know, you could have some guys check out maybe. I mean, there's a way to talk yourself into this game being competitive. It's just I don't necessarily see that as being even a feasible matchup right now. But you know, in that Brett McMurphy projected it, we're talking about it, and people have been talking about it on social media all day. So it'll be interesting to see. However, before we even get there, FIU and Duke, Miami better go get those dubs both weeks. Otherwise, this and, you know, this kind of conversation becomes a moot point. And then you're talking about which out-of-the-way location that nobody wants to be in of El Paso, Paso Texas. Texas. Or, <laughs> hey, Shreveport, Louisiana is not anybody's, you know, destination for fun, um, you know, at the, at Christmas time or anything like that. So which one of those locations might you be spending, um, you know, the holiday season? I'd I mean, be, if you're I'd be willing to go to Nashville, Tennessee, not for the game, but just simply for a nice little road trip. But, I mean, I mean and I've seen the, those projections there where – uh, Miami would face off against Liberty, and that would just be a complete domination. I mean, that'd be almost like a preseason game, almost. But I'd be willing just for the just to turn up a little bit in Nashville, Tennessee, have some some country fun, I guess, if you want to call it that. I mean, yeah. look, Liberty's quarterback is from South Florida, and they got Hugh Freeze out there, who you know, while he's not calling um, <clears throat> certain women on recruiting trips anymore, <laughs> uh, can dial up an offense. So. Uh, I mean, he, they don't they don't scare me, but uh, you know it might be close for a half. The only other one that I saw projection wise, Yahoo.com actually has us uh, looking at the Gasparilla Bowl with an opponent being UCF. Finally, they couldn't du- they wouldn't have a reason to they couldn't duck us anymore. I mean, but I want a full strength UCF. I don't want this UCF. But I mean, a kick in the face is a kick in the face. It all comes out I'm- the same. <laughs> that was that was a good one. Um, Gasparilla Bowl over in Tampa, you know, so it's only a 45-minute ride from, or like almost an hour, I want to say, from UCF campus, mm-hmm. uh, just north of, or- in the Orlando area there. Um, you know, I'll go see my friends Zach and Laura, you know, who live over in the Tampa area maybe for that, but um, yeah, I guess, you know, like UCF will try to get up. Obviously, for that game, and you've got a lot of guys from South Florida on that team, Bentavious Thompson, uh, Greg McRae, um, Antoine Collier, uh, a couple of the – well, Antoine Collier, at least. I know he had a Miami Hurricanes offer for a while back. He was the quarterback who uh, was on that Southridge State Championship team with Mark Pope oh, wow. and uh, yeah. Dee Wiggins a couple of years ago. Um, or Yeah, or he was on that team, or he was the year before that maybe. Anyway, I know he went to Southridge with those guys. So uh, there are some dudes on that team, and again – they play fast, obviously, on offense. They got all kinds of speed, and most of the dudes with speed, Miami, you know, tried to recruit at some low level at one time. But, uh, you know, you'll see what happens, but that is another projection that is out there on the table right now. Definitely. Now, we have a game, right? You mentioned uh, uh, we Miami needs to stay focused on the team that's at hand right now, and that's FIU. 
Uh, I usually use the term, it's on to FIU. So we're on to FIU at this point. And this game has a little bit of a meaning, and we'll kind of talk about that on the other side. All right, so we kind of alluded to this game earlier or late last week. Uh, it's FIU week, and Miami has a, a big time. I won't call it a big time matchup. That'd be a little bit overblowing it. But um, Miami has a matchup against FIU where it's on hallowed ground. It's where the Orange Bowl used to be in Marlins Stadium. and Or, I'm sorry, Marlins Park. And then you also have the, uh, the addition of Butch, De- uh, Butch Davis, who – was the former Miami Hurricanes head coach. I've already had my beef with him and all, so I won't rehash that. But what is what does this game mean to you? What is are there any underlying narrative uh, storylines for you in this one? No, Miami is a better team than FIU. Mm-hmm. Um, Miami should win comfortably. I saw today the betting line opened and remains at eighteen and a half point favorites for the Miami Hurricanes. Um, Miami should cover that, win by three touchdowns. Obviously, you have a lot of guys from South Florida on the FIU team, so you know guys on the Miami squad, so they're going to go out there and try to prove themselves, things like that. Butch Davis was passed over for the Miami job twice when he wanted it after you know his time in the NFL uh, did not go the way that he wanted. So obviously, he wants to you know prove something as well. Um, I, I you know no, it, it's I think it's more. And Manny Diaz said this at his uh, press conference today. It's more about the neighborhood because, you know, obviously playing at Marlins Park is the atrocious stadium that stands on the site where the Orange Bowl once stood. Mm -hmm. So going back to that area, you know, in Little Havana and everything is the more salient point to me. There's really nothing that should um, give anybody any cause for concern on the field between Miami and FIU unless Miami goes out like they did against Georgia Tech and decides that they're just not going to play – you know, coherent football and, you know, turn the ball over and just kind of sleepwalk through it. But, no, I'm not really looking at anything, any reason for concern. Miami just needs to go out, do what they've done the last few weeks, handle business, get this win, move to 7-4, and four, and then you're, you're on to Duke for the season finale or regular season finale. Yeah, I don't think there's much uh, – there's not much to see here. Uh, there'll be a lot of fireworks. I mean, I think the talent's going to take over. It'll probably be a quarter. They'll feel things out understand what's going on and then the fireworks start really happening uh but i think and manny diaz mentioned before i actually saw his his uh his press conference earlier today i said you know i think this is going to be huge for both sides when it comes to high uh, to high school recruiting because if fiu even has a little success butch davis can say well we had look at what the success we had here if you come to FIU, we can continue building here. We may not be where, where we want to be right now, but we can be there in a few years. Uh, Miami isn't recruiting you hard, so come here. Or whoever is not recruiting you hard, come here. Uh, on the flip side, same thing. I think some you may see some some guys that are who the lower tier guys though that are that Miami's recruiting, with a lot of the upper tier guys that are decommitting from places like Florida State. Good decision. Um, but, you know, those guys will start – that cream is starting to rise to the top a little. And I think those lower-tier guys will start uh, kind of dropping off and understanding mm, maybe this might not be the best decision here. Or Miami might say, hey, you know, we appreciate you here, but um, you probably won't find it. This might not be the place for you. In a nice way of saying go ahead and decommit. Right. You know, sometimes you need to seek shelter elsewhere and – you know, um, 
I know it's not necessarily game conversation, but you know Miami has had two recent decommits. Um, one Darren Branch from Amite, Louisiana. That's the same school that Devontae Smith, the wide receiver who's at Alabama, he went to. And I say that because Miami was recruiting him back in the day, but whatever. Uh, Darren Branch, he flipped to Ole Miss. Uh, and the story is, you know, people around him were pushing him to stay closer to home. And his grandfather is in ailing health by a couple of reports. So maybe there's that. Um, and additionally, Marcus Fleming from Miami Northwestern, a speedy wide receiver, decommitted. But, you know, he took a visit to, like, Nebraska last week. Um, and, you know, a lot of the teams that he's considering uh, offered his brother DeMarcus. So there's DeMarcus and Marcus uh, Fleming. Uh, but some of these teams are offering the brother who's not a Miami caliber player by any stretch of the imagination. But if you get the homeboy hookup for your bro, then you're going to you know, maybe look somewhere else. Uh, and I think that this is a case, in, at least in Fleming's uh, recruitment, where uh, Miami did tell him, you know, hey, maybe seek shelter elsewhere. Um, and then also told Branch, you know, we want you on this squad, but understand if you, you know, decide to go a different direction. But when you have a Jalen Harrell, like we talked about with Andrew Ivins last week uh, on Thursday, one of his, you know, under the radar kind of guys, which is crazy as a four-star All-American uh, coming, uh, potentially being recruited uh, and could commit soon at uh, safety to replace Branch. And then Dazlin Worsham, who I tried to ask Ivans about, um, but he's committing on Friday, a former Alabama commit at wide receiver. So you could replace both of those guys who just decommitted with higher caliber dudes this week or in the, in the recent, in the near future. Yo, Sometimes these things happen on the recruiting trail. Um, but I don't think that FIU Miami is going to have a real bearing on the end recruiting, um, at least for Miami, because we're, Miami recruits and vibrates on a different level than FIU. Mm -hmm. But I agree with what you said, that if FIU keeps it close a little bit, then you can say, oh, hey, maybe come here and we can do something. But on the flip side, FIU and Miami are not scheduled to play again anytime in the near future, if at all. So, you know, how much can Butch really sell that? Yeah, they're no. Neither team is actually scheduled to play anymore for in the foreseeable future. I think Miami's upgraded pretty well on that that whole non-conference thing, uh, better than most schools. And I think we'll talk about that. That'll be something we'll kind of dive into once the off season comes because um, I actually took a, took the time to go and look into that a, a, a while back, and I like what I see. So, um, but FIU will not have uh, the same bearing and. Uh, and it, it's not it's just one of those things i think this will help both schools in some way but it won't be something catastrophic you won't see some guy that just never uh, you know you're not going to see some guy that's just randomly just oh i'm going to commit to one or the other uh, i think it's just going to be able to bring the city together and i think that's always so that's also a good thing i mean at the end of the day it's a community thing um don't think it should happen on a regular basis i like miami when they're rec when they're playing top level teams like the uh, the Michigan states of the world, the Alabamas, the Georgia. I, I still want that USC matchup to happen one day, but I don't think it's happening anytime soon. But at some point, you know, that would be nice too. Yeah, you know, so uh, I do think I, I agree with you that uh, Miami FIU at Marlins Park is going to be uh, a community event. It's going to be a great showcase for the city. Uh, you know, everybody gets to come out and support. Uh, I saw a funny tweet that said, you know, it's a great thing for FIU students because they can see their their school playing their favorite team in this game, <laughs> which, is, you know, I one. agree with. That's a good uh, one. 
You know, it is. And, you know, even one of our, our guys at State of the U, Gabby Arudia, is a senior at FIU uh, currently, even though, you know, he writes for, for us and everything uh, about the hurricane. So it's pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, you know, like I said, it's going to be an explosive atmosphere. It's on CBS Sports Network at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. Uh, you know, just going to be a really great showcase for the city. Uh, and then another great showcase for the Hurricanes because, you know, again, absent four or five turnovers and a rash of injuries that just cripples, you know, 40 dudes off of the roster. FIU doesn't stand a snowball's chance in this game. So Miami just needs to go out and, again, just like they did against Louisville, just like, you know, they have done in other times, go out and show and prove that, get another win and move forward. Last question of the, of the night here. Um, any fights, anything you think, uh, any craziness going to happen or you think it's going to be a clean game? I think it's going to be chippy. Um if you don't know, Miami and FIU actually fought in 2007. That's when Miles Garrett learned the uh, helmet swinging <laughs> move yeah. from Brandon Merriweather exactly. uh, in that game, if you look back. Um, but, yeah, it, it's going to be chippy. It always is. And it just goes back to everything. If you, if you go to any high school football game, you know, between rivals, if it's Northwestern Central, if it's, uh, you know, Kara City Northwestern, if it's Jackson and, and Edison, who, whoever on the high school level, they're going to be chippy before the games this is going to be more than that you know again these guys at FIU want so much to validate themselves by beating Miami and the emotion is going to be palpable as the game starts or before the game and warm-ups and you know teams are going to walk out on the field and you know there's going to be yeah but like no, nah, I think that both uh, Butch Davis and Manny Diaz are going to have a good control on that. There might be a little jawing before the game. Maybe there's a late hit here and there, you know, early in the first quarter or something like that. But, no, there will not be an actual fight again. If you want to see an actual fight with, you know, helmet swinging and punches being thrown, go on YouTube and look up 2007 Miami FIU. But this is not going to be the time where you see any of that anymore. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, the one thing you will see is you will see us back tomorrow. Uh, we'll be bringing you the latest from uh, press conferences, news around the team, and much more. You can make sure you make sure you go follow us on Twitter uh, at Locked On Canes. You can also find me on Twitter, Fred Purdue CFB. That is P E R D U E. Thank you, Cam. Appreciate that. And Cam, you can be you can be found on Twitter at Underwood Sports. Is there anything else that we missed? Actually, there's one Uh-oh. thing, and I know that we do need to say this. Congratulations to Brevin Jordan, the best tight end in the America. The best tight end in America. For being one of the six semifinalists for the Mackey Award given annually to the best tight end in America. So as a true sophomore, um, I've said it all year that he is the best tight end in America, and I believe that. I think that this nomination uh, for this award uh, you know, continues to prove that. Uh, hopefully he is back healthy for this game and able to add on to his stats, but uh, I believe that, you know, again, he should win this award. I think it fits that he is a semifinalist for this award. So congratulations, Brevin, uh, for the work that you've done this season and continue that work. Uh, congrats and salute to you, sir. We will be back on tomorrow to talk about the latest around the team. And maybe we might have a guest or two throughout the week, but you got to stay tuned to the Locked on Canes podcast. Make sure you go give us a download on Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you go do that for us. Leave us a rating and a subscribe. Until next time, folks, I am Fred. That is Cam. We are out and go Canes. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. 
But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can provide real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com locked and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com locked for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com locked.